Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 11 on 11:50 a.m. KKNW, Alternative Positive Talk Radio. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on air as usual. I just have a great time being on air. We'll bring Mr. Rye on. We were just talking about Easter <laughs> and all this other stuff that goes on. How you doing, Mr. Rye? I'm doing fine, Reverend Harry. Doing. I must say, I will be seeing Dr. Tony Hemfield tomorrow. I have, have like in Louisiana, we say I have a crook in my neck. But oh, anyway, yeah. I mean, it's been pretty, <laughs> no quality sleep for the last couple of nights. So uh, yes. I'm going have to have the doctor look at me and see if he can help me out. Well, I have one, too. I have a shoulder that, that I had an injury on uh, and then 45,000 miles a year on driving. So my right shoulder, I go to the chiropractor every week so to try to get mine fixed up. So I understand the shoulder issue and sleeping. <laughs> I really yes, do. Indeed. It's, it's been tough. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you want to? Just well, you know, I, I just want to say that uh, uh, last Thursday, which is still available on, on the Urban Forum Northwest podcast, which is on twenty four seven, I had Congressman Hank Johnson from uh, uh, Georgia, DeKalb, Georgia, on, and he's on uh, uh, the House Judiciary Committee. Okay, and, and he's also on the House uh, Transportation Infrastructure Committee, along with our own Congressman Marilyn Strickland. But he informed me on Thursday that he had. Uh, introduced a bill to bring a code of ethics to the United States Supreme Court. And uh, so far, he has 80 co-sponsors of that legislation. And it's primarily aimed at the conduct of uh, 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 Supreme Court Justice's wife, Virginia Jenny Thomas, belonging to uh, these right-wing organizations. But uh, more seriously than that, her involvement in the attempt to overthrow the United States government. Wow. She was an mm-hmm. active participant. Uh, she had the documentation and, and her husband, Clarence Thomas, voted against this information being released because he probably knew that Jenny Thomas's text messages that the Mark Meadows would be surfacing because she said she discussed this issue with her best friend and uh, her not having many friends, <laughs> she had to be referring to Clarence Thomas. So, uh, uh, so Congressman Hank Johnson is going to make an attempt to remedy that. But you figure this way that if uh, Republicans want to turn a blind eye, uh, no, no, nothing nasty about land folks, but that the disregard uh, what was happening at the U.S. Capitol. And the thing about it is that if they would have caught any of them, I think they would have did some harm to them, including um, uh, Matt Gates and and Mark Meadows and and you say they want to hang uh, Mike Pence, the vice president, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and. Uh, 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 Clarence Thomas's wife played an active role in trying to overthrow the United States government. But right. unfortunately, in this country, some people get treated better than other people for more worse offenses. Now, <laughs> a brother get two years in prison for stealing the Snickers out to 7-Eleven, but these folks can attempt to overthrow the government, tell a judge, well, Your Honor, I can't go to court right now because my best friend's getting married in Mexico. I'm in the wedding. I need to make the wedding. Oh, yeah, go right ahead. And those are the cast of mindset a lot of the folks have been appointed to the bench by the Trump administration. Uh, right. Anything, uh, it's just all out white privilege. There's nothing, nothing, nothing else you can really <laughs> call it. it. It's white privilege to the nth degree. And right. uh, so I'm happy to hear that my good friend from the Cal Georgia Congressman Hank Johnson has filed that legislation as needs to be done. And you really have to worry about where half of the American people are when you know you talk about how sacred this democracy is, what the Constitution means, and that's the guiding force 
behind uh, uh, liberty and justice for all in this country. But then as soon as some right wingers do it, mostly white do it, it's all right. It's acceptable. They didn't like the elections. They uh, spread this lie and they bought into it. And I mean, they came ready to do to go to war. That's how they came. And it's just right, one, uh, one black Capitol police officer said when he, the question was raised, what if they'd been black? He said they never would have made it to the first step. They'd have been dead before they got there. But right. it's just completely different altogether. Even the way they were they were treated, you know, uh, you have uh, a situation where uh, the governor of Maryland, who is a Republican, had the Maryland uh, National Guard on standby, but the Trump guys did not call for any help. So it's going to be very interesting to see. And I think the other thing is now I'm beginning to see why uh, the Saudis can do anything they want to do and not even be held in account, not even by the Democrats. But 9-11, 15 or 19 hijackers were, were, were Saudis. There was no right. retaliation whatsoever for Saudi. And then yeah. we find out that uh, Trump's uh, son-in-law uh, has gone over to Saudi and got with the prince and got him $2 billion. Right. Okay. So, so we know what's going on. And I'm sure that uh, Donald Trump had the same agreement worked out with Vladimir Putin. Uh, that's why you heard people like Tucker Carlson on Fox and the Fox song, uh, how, why are we not helping Russia? Why are we helping Ukraine? You know, this kind of stuff, and yet it's still acceptable. Uh, any of a black person or another person of color said that they would be called be called treasonous. But right. because some people have privilege in this country, they can say and do anything they want to do. Uh, you know, I have to think back to the most recent incident where the cop shot the, uh, the African immigrant brother in the back of the head over uh, not having a registration for his car. Right. So, you know, uh, and you think about uh, uh, the police woman that killed Duante Wright. Would she get six months or uh, two years in prison for killing that brother? So I'm just saying that everything is skewed, skewed in favor of, of whites. And I mean, that's all this. I can't say it any other way. Unless you're poor now, you've been in a different category. Well, now, if you're poor, you're in, the, you're in the category with the Negroes. Yeah, now, if, if you're, you're poor, poor it's you're a different. if you don't have access, but, you're in a different category altogether. That. You have to but they don't understand that because they vote uh, against their own self-interest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, for the number of uh, women that voted for Donald Trump after all the uh, revelations and how he was uncovered about him sexually harassing these all these different women, and uh, you know, they uh, folks voted for him anyway. You know, it's, it's well, absolutely also, amazing. But also, what's happening now is a lot of young white uh, Republican women are running, and they're running on that same ticket. I mean, and I think that. We have to really understand history because 70, 50% of white women in the, in the South own slaves. So, I mean, so, so, so that, that, that really is this is an extrapolation of what has always happened in America is that uh, they're not, you know, they, they absolutely organize uh, against us. And, you know, right, I guess, I guess when you look at it, uh, they're, you know, they're, their spouses, spouses and husbands are. Are, are Republicans, and so. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on Roe v. Wade, I mean, I, it's hard for me to imagine how uh, uh, women, especially our older women, they might have a different story because they're beyond childbearing age. But it's you know because even down there's a clinic on uh, on Rainier, uh, at the South End in Renton, right before you get to uh, uh, the Renton Shop, little Renton Shopping Center off Rainier. And when I see the folks out there protesting uh, at this uh, abortion clinic, it's always some men or some women that's too old to have children anyway. Okay, so that's, uh, and I'm thinking that I just, I thought that between January 6th 
this Roe v. Wade thing and all the other revelations that's coming out about the Trump administration would be enough to turn some people around. But all I'm saying is that I just hope that uh, our folks get out and vote. Uh, because every well, but, every but position, every position right. matters, no matter if it's on the school board. Uh, you might have some people like st- jump something up talking about critical race theory. Critical race theory, they don't want the truth taught about the United States of America. That's, the, that's what the problem is. And if you talk about slavery, some kids' feelings will be hurt. It's better for them to have their feelings hurt and know the truth than to grow up and be taught as an idiot. Because if you don't know, America is a very diverse country, and it got to be a lot more diverse uh, uh, since I was born. Because I remember the time that there were hardly anybody around here other than Asian people, Japanese, Chinese, uh, black and white. And in Seattle, in my community, and especially at Garfield High School, there was a significant Jewish population right. because they were had restrictive covenants where they couldn't buy homes in certain parts. Of the, right. of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that uh, in Hawthorne Hills, where Charles Royal used to live, lived, uh, they had a restrictive covenant there. Madison Park, everywhere they said you couldn't, Park, sell, uh-huh. couldn't sell to uh, a Black, an Indian, an Asian, or a Jew. And that's where it right. was. And a lot of the Blacks in the central area actually brought their their property from Jewish people because they were they were able to move out to Purcell Island. To, they could, at right. that time in the 50s, they couldn't live in Seward Park. That's the way right. it just was. But uh, thankfully, though, we had uh, enough relationships so that, uh, uh, you know, we, we could uh, be able to become homeowners. I recall one incident, uh, Aki Carosa's family they used to live right oh, yeah. on 30th and Spring. They lived on 31st. When they got ready to buy this house on 37th, the people refused to sell to them. But a good, well-meaning white gentleman bought the house and then sold it to them. Oh, yeah, and that so, has happened many times in Seattle. I've heard yeah, that story yeah. many times. And, and I also remember being a little boy in Louisiana, too, where we had some people, and and I know folks got very upset with the whites that helped the blacks down south because they were despising and treated worse than the black people themselves. Oh, yeah, sometimes yes, their indeed. life was in danger. Sometimes their life was in danger also. Exactly. But, so yeah. I know that uh, oh, yeah. I had a couple of uncles that got into a scuffle and uh, uh, the, the guy, the white guy at the, the farm next to my uh, grandfather's property made sure they got to the <laughs> Texas border before the people found them. And they stayed <laughs> in Houston for 25 years before they came back to uh, that part of Louisiana. So, I mean, there are all kinds of stories like that that was shared with me and things that I saw myself as a little boy, like getting off the sidewalk, not oh, being yeah. able to ask anybody. Mm-hmm. Everything was colored. Like I went to West Freeport Colored Elementary School. Yeah, I was born in Charity Hospital on the colored side in Shreveport. That's right. That's what so, I, was I mean. I know all about on the colored side. You know, so, what, so you have an, also do you have an update about the lawsuit? I mean, I know that it looked like a Garland is not moving forward. So I mean, not moving fast enough. So you have any update about the about the lawsuit? No, is this a, a, a DOJ complaint? Yes. Yeah. Well, the complaint, as a matter of fact. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, Merritt Garland's people, the, the attorney general, sent a complaint to the U.S. Department of Transportation. I'm talking with two members of the Congressional Black Caucus right now try, and asking them, how can a discrimination complaint against Black people be sent to a place that controls transportation? Right. Because Kristen Clark is the assistant attorney general for civil rights, highly competent sister, if Mary Garland would let her do her job, we could get justice around here. Right. So I'm actually pushing on a couple of folks 
As a matter of fact, uh, Congressman Hank Johnson is one of the people who I'll, I'll be resharing the complaint with. He and Congressman Maxine Waters seem to be the most interested in this whole thing. And I'm just going to let them know where things are right now. There's been no communication back. Uh, we are fortunate to have a couple of contacts within the DOT in the national office. And I know that Bob Armstead uh, has also sent a letter to uh, Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, asking him, uh, please send it back to where it's supposed to go. Because when Black folks are discriminated against, I mean, it's the nine disparity studies and a private study all saying the same thing. And, you know, uh, all people, all minorities are not treated the same because right now yeah. in Sound Transit, uh, according to Sound Transit personnel in uh, the Civil Rights Office, white women and Asians are waved out of the program. So, that, you know, we consistently say, uh, I'm supporting all people of color and women, you know, because I, I have a daughter and a wife. I want to make sure they have every opportunity. And, but at, on the other hand, when it's just Black folks being discriminated against, it's time to say something. So, right. but, you know, it's really spread because we had 21 individuals and organizations that signed on to that complaint. The NAACP from here, Tacoma, the, the uh, area uh, president, uh, uh, Gerald Hankerson, uh, uh, we had uh, the Urban League. We had we we just had uh, Bishop Reggie Witherspoon, Pastor Kerry Anderson. I just Lyle Quasim from the Black Collective, uh, uh, John, uh, Jonathan Johnson, President of Tacoma NAACP, Carolyn Riley Payne, President Cielian. You would think with these twenty-one organizations, individuals, and filed by the Washington Civil Rights Coalition, you would think it would be treated differently. But like uh, a, a gentleman told me. Eddie Rye, you still black in America. And I, you know, and I said, you know what? I know I am, but at the same time, I'm gonna fight like hell until I get my rights and the rights for other black people. So I'm not gonna let that be a barrier, but I I, I should not be expecting immediate uh, response to issues that uh, African descendants of the United States enslaved have here. But by having folks like uh, Victoria Woodards over in Mayor Tacoma and things like that and members of the Black Caucus, uh, it does give me some hope that we do have people at the table who are on the committees who can deliver justice for us. And I'm going to continue to work with them on behalf of my community. Well, I tell you, it's a good thing that uh, Garland was not uh, appointed to the Supreme Court. <laughs> That's what a lot of people are saying right yeah, now. Because he's, lack, he's lackluster. I mean, I mean, whereas he's not robust at all. I mean, you know, doesn't seem to want to go after, I mean, the uh, January 6th people and uh, it's all these places where... He, you know, he sounds like he might be a closet Republican for all I know, but. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you had, that um, that, with that new black DA in, uh, in uh, Manhattan, uh, he had two of the associates resign because he wanted to slow down on uh, going after Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, I guess Trump's daughter has been in. And I mean, this whole thing with Jared Kushner getting two billion from Saudi, you know, it's just. Uh, and, and I guess they were, had plans on building a Trump Tower in Moscow. So I guess maybe that's why the Fox people are still, uh, you know, pushing this whole myth about Russia not being in there. If they can't see what, what Russia is doing to Ukraine, they don't want to see because it's on the news. That's that dominates the news. And I feel sorry for the people over there. But, well, like I said, I just heard today that uh, coming back to this state, where all the people that were put up in hotels and motels in Olympia and Lacey have been put returned return back to the street because they said they ran out of money. 
Yeah. I don't understand I how, can, how to get one out of money is what I don't understand. I mean, well, I, I, I mean, because you know. once again, you're talking about poor people. You can run out of money when you're dealing with poor people. But if you're dealing with somebody that's wealthy, there'll be some kind of proviso, <clears throat> some kind of a supplemental legislation to make sure that they continue to get paid. But it's unfortunate because we spend so much money to kill people. And if we could just take 10% and keep them alive, we could deal with the homeless situation. And that can just well, I'll agree with that. I mean, war, uh, war is what runs the world right now. It's been doing it for a long time. Not, not, the, not the human kindness and, and compassion. And I, I'm, you know, we're looking at what's happening in Seattle too. But we have to come up with a way. Uh, if, if money could fix this, it would have been fixed but in Seattle. Because there's been money going into this issue ever since Greg Nichols was the uh, mayor. Um, and, and so it must be another problem that money can't hardly fix because really the money we spent over, I'm, I'm almost sure it's been a couple billion dollars gone in, in the heart trying to house people in Seattle. Well, you know what? Uh, the thing about it is I haven't seen any housing that's been built for them. I see, that's the problem. <laughs> you know, you go and rent somebody else's property, uh, then and when, you know, <laughs> but if you own a property and you know it's for that specific purpose, I mean, it's like when they when they built the projects, you know, there is no reason in the world why there can't be something developed. Uh, you know, there could be, it doesn't have to be in the city. It could be outside of the city. Uh, but everybody in the suburb, no, we don't want them around here. No, no, no. no. Mercer, is Island, Mercer Island voted not to have homeless issues up. Not, not, not to finance any uh, resources for homeless people. And I think for uh, some of those other counties and the people wind up in Seattle mm -hmm. uh, because all the people that's living on the streets are not from Seattle. Uh, and, and that's just it. And then we have some criminal people out there who's criminally insane. We have some predators out there and then you have all kinds of people out there. So really it is a dangerous situation for people who are unhoused. You know, and that's that's the other part of that. I mean, I think we haven't had a plan to bifurcate it. People who's criminally insane is not going might not ever be able to take care of themselves. So what are you going to do with those people? What are you going to do with the predators that's out there? I mean, some of those predators need to be arrested because of the, of the things that's happening out there. So it's not a one fix. Uh, it's not it's not one way to fix it. I think it's a many many uh many ways to fix it. But as, as, as Seattle becomes more of a more of a renter's town, then uh, the uh, the people without uh, who are homeless or the people who don't make a lot of money is going to be in a bad space uh, because Seattle used to be a homeowner's town, but now it's a renter's town. And uh, that makes a difference in their, that makes a difference in the economy. That makes a difference uh, in the power that you have because the landowner has power. Uh, the, the tenants doesn't have that much power. I mean, they do have the tenants are a, a union and that type of thing, but Seattle is a renter's city. And every city that becomes a renter's city, poor people lose, you know? Oh, there, there's no question about it here. Because I remember the last time I was in San Francisco, I was also looking at this same homeless issue. And to be honest with you, uh, I saw more Black people who were homeless than I saw, but I was downtown. I didn't see didn't go to any communities or anything, but significant number of uh, Black folks, uh, you know, and then we go, right now we talk about the gentrification of the CD. The same things happen in Oakland. The same things happen in Los well, But that comes that comes with technology. The people who bring, I mean, technology. People who who create technology has brought about gentrification, and it's actually has created more homelessness in all of these cities because most of the property they come in with big, have a lot more money, and all of these things. So, so this technology industry has brought about a lot of pain and suffering 
for people who are not in that industry. And, and someday one people we're gonna to have to look at that because look, they were in San Francisco and same thing is happening here and all these other places. Um, because you can only gentrify a community when you got more money than the people in the community. Because if the people in the money was equally uh, yoked with finances, they, they, they wouldn't be able to gentrify it because it's a financial issue, see. That's exactly why we're uh, promoting, and I'm glad you're on, on the advisory committee uh, for MLK Gandhi to bring digital technology training uh, to our people and our community. And because once they get it, it's gonna spread to their families and their community. And we know how that works. And we have such a small number of black folks, especially African descendants, who are uh, employed in the technology industry. That's right. That's now, right. I understand That's right. that uh, through the Office of Minority Women Business Enterprise, as a matter of fact, it might have been Erin Nielsen that told me when she's at the Department of Enterprise Services, that there are 35 African Americans who are technologically astute enough to have their own companies, which I was unaware of. I want to be drawing on some of these people to assist us with MLK Gandhi to get these new folks up and running uh, at some point in time in the training program, particularly after they received the basics. And the thing about uh, this technology is like Microsoft uses 750,000 subcontractors. So if a brother or sister has had a problem with the law, they still can be a subcontractor working from their home. They won't be sitting about the front door at Microsoft or Facebook, but they'll be getting the same kind of money. So uh, that's, you know, if we'll have more information on that. Uh, right oh, now, good. we had uh, like uh, 13 letters of support for uh, to be considered for funding for uh, Congressman Adam Smith's office. They don't make the decision. They have it goes to a committee and they got people from all over, including some haters from down south and uh, eastern Washington and places like that. But uh, uh, once uh, this program is, is funded, uh, 12 to 14 weeks, people will be prepared. And we will be uh, asking the Microsoft Black employees and uh, the Black Employee Network of Amazon to come in and also act as mentors. And it's uh, the uh, participation is by, by referral only. It's not open to everybody. And we want everybody on the committee that's refer someone, we want them to be there for them. Right. And, uh, there will be a stipend of $2,500 a month. We don't want anybody to think about nothing but the training. And there'll also be a food subsistence. And uh, this has been in conjunction with uh, uh, MLK Gandhi. I mean, we look at Microsoft, the chair of the board is Mr. Johnson, who's black. The CEO is from India. Okay, MLK Gandhi, all over that. And then the vice president for government affairs for uh, Microsoft in Washington, D.C. is uh, Mona Bailey's nephew, Fred uh, oh, okay. And his dad, oh, yeah. Thornton Humphreys, played basketball for Seattle University. And that's how they got up here in the 50s. Uh, Thornton was recruited to play for CLU. So we have some connections and we're also working with uh, some other folks in the, in the Congressional Black Caucus. And we also be working with some of the folks from, who are uh, Indian, Amer uh, American Indian. I mean, Indian okay. American. Any folks from India who got here now, who are not American citizens, so Indian, Indian American, not American Indian is Bernie, Bernie White Bears group. But anyway, uh, so they're committed to making sure that this training happens. They're very, uh, very high up in the tech companies. And the thing I like about it is that uh, these folks realize that had it not been for Blacks in the Civil Rights Movement, uh, they wouldn't be here. Right. And it's like, well, it's, uh, I'm just glad some had, people realize that and recognize it and, um, yeah. you know, want, want, want to work with us on that piece because so many people come and don't recognize that piece. Yeah, so well, I mean, they're, 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 they're dissuaded from, from doing that. But right. uh, 
they these folks do recognize it. And the fact mm -hmm. is that Dr. King did study Gandhi when he was a, uh, at right. Morehouse College. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, this, this all, is a move in the right the, direction. This is a right. So he knew direction. all about the peaceful, nonviolent because uh, and, you know, Gandhi had a checkered past. He was in South Africa. He was hard oh, on yes. black folks. Yes, he was. When they started treating the Indian folks like they treated black folks, he went back to India and uh, led the Indian Liberation Movement, which was done in 1947. He didn't go to the ceremony. And the next year, he was killed by a Hindu, assassinated by a Hindu, by one of right. his own people. So, right. uh, But Dr. King thought enough for him, he and Mrs. King, Coretta Scott King, to actually go to India and, and witness uh, what India was like. So, right. Yeah, well, that's good. You know, I mean, we're working on a lot of fronts because our community needed. And what we need the most is uh, what financial uh, uh, empowerment and financial development, be able to make a decent wage because we know that a decent wage ra raises the level of, of living for everybody, whoever, you know, a good job and really does change the life of a family. When you don't you have that. affirmative action, when you have affirmative action for 23 years in Washington State, and a lot of people interpret that as that you don't have to provide any opportunities for black folks. And right now, the disparity studies, everything shows that black folks in this state have been discriminated. African descendants of the United States of slave have been discriminated against in Washington State just about by every agency. And because they're saying there's no affirmative action, but even when the federal money because white women, that's right, the included, federal dollars, that's right. The federal yeah, dollars. White women included yeah. with, the, with DOT money and other federal money through the Disadvantaged Business Enterprise Program, but they've been waived out the program twice. Okay, so does that mean that they're waived out the program because they're doing financially so well? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah. but isn't that amazing though? I mean, this system tried to will will, will hinder uh, all black people from 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 actually getting financial security and uh, and and then you know I mean it's such a it's such a tragedy what has happened what has happened here in Seattle because so many of the houses was lost because people couldn't get good jobs. I mean, you know, they didn't get you know they got fired off these jobs and and then the thing that the city of Seattle and the state of Washington was colluding to do this. I mean, for almost 50 years, I mean, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And, um, you know, really, and I'm so glad that we're still working on this to be able to bring some kind of justice here uh, for the people in, in, in Washington state. But before we, uh, before we leave, I just, I just read in the paper that, uh, that the uh, Republicans is moving in, in here uh, uh, fast in Washington state. You know, you got Sinclair and Q13 and Fox uh, and Fox here. So, so if we're not careful in Seattle, in Washington state, because most of that population is in Eastern Washington, but a lot of it now, including some of the police, some of the uh, people who want to make America great working for the Seattle Police Department, I think we're in trouble here But if people don't wake up and understand what's happening. Because, I mean, I don't understand why people want restrictive government. I mean, want to have um, want to have people there who don't believe in rights and uh, rights and privileges for all people. But that's the seems to seem to be the way America is going right now. They want to take away all the rights except for a few people. And I mean again, they want to make they want to go back to the years. They want to go back to segregation years. I mean <laughs> and one of those guys said uh, one of those guys down in Florida said that you know he thought that it should be against the law for people to mix marriages and stuff. So they are absolutely have a plan, and I think we better wake up and understand there's a plan, and we need to wake up and start working harder. You're absolutely right. We have to outwork everybody. That's what we, we have, have to outorganize, right. outwork, <laughs> and outeducate. That's right. That's right. And, and get our kids and get them involved with this because really and truly, they need to be involved. 
Well, thank you, Mr. Roth, for coming on. Always a pleasure to have you on, and thank you for the update and uh, and all of that. So we'll talk again. Okay, thank we'll you very see. much for having me. Okay. Thank you. You listen right. to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Brem Walden. We'll be right back. Market Street Shoes is happy to sponsor the Mother's Justice Show in honor of our mother, Jackie Higgins Rosebrook, who spent her life fighting for social justice and also in honor of all mothers who fight for social justice. Market Street Shoes, fashionable footwear and apparel for life's everyday adventures in the heart of Ballard since 2006. Visit MarketStreetShoes.com. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Hi, this is Dr. K. Mahina Intron, inviting you to tune in on Mondays on 1150 KKNW at 5 p.m. to Dr. K's Attuning to Your Abundance where we honor everyday abundance through positive messages, poetry, music, affirmations, and writing exercises. For more information, contact drkworkshops at gmail.com or Facebook, Dr. K's Abundance. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk, 1150. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM. KKNW, I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. And uh, my guest that was coming on, I mean, she had an emergency to come up, so she couldn't come on. So we were going to be talking about Easter. And uh, so I love Easter. Springtime, I always had pretty dresses for Easter. Um, and I was raised in the, in the AME church. And we were just going to be reminiscing about what Easter was like in the African-American community in the times when we grew up, because it's different now. Uh, we have a lot of people who are unchurched. <laughs> Of course, when I grew up, it was not a lot of people unchurched. I guess they were scared <laughs> not to be in the church. But I think that fear is, has been lifted for the last 25, maybe 30 years. So, so a lot of people don't go to church. But um, anyway, um, I grew up in the African-American Episcopal Church. Uh, and I always had lots and lots of pretty dresses for Easter because I had to be on the program more than once. So if I was on the program three times, I got three dresses for Easter. So I always had nice stuff. And I always had my hair done really pretty. My neighbor was my, uh, was my, was my neighbor was a beautician. And so I would, all I'd do is go across my yard, <laughs> go to the beauty shop. So that was pretty good. Um, but also we were going to be talking about why is uh, Easter uh, always the, uh, why does the date on Easter changes? And uh, one of the reasons why Easter date changes is because it's the first, Easter is the first Sunday uh, following the um, the spring equinox and the full, and the first full moon. So it actually is based on the lunar calendar. 
on, and a lot of people say it was based on the divine feminine, but that's a whole other discussion. But uh, so that's why I changed it. So based on the lunar calendar, which is every 28 day calendar. Um, and it's the first Sunday after the first Sunday after spring equinox where there is a full moon. And I'm sure you might've, I'm sure you might've seen the full moon on Friday. It was gorgeous. So that's why we have the changes of Easter date uh, in that uh, way. But, uh, and so I, that was set uh, probably many, many centuries ago and that probably won't be changing for a while, but who knows? A lot of things are changing uh, in the world. Um, like I said, a lot of people don't go to church anymore. A lot of people are unchurched. And, and uh, my friend, uh, I mean, my guest, my former, my guest that was going to come on, she was raised, I think, in the Catholic church. And so they have a whole bunch of different rituals than they have in the Protestant church. And, but I think every culture also has a, has some kind of dyed eggs. You know, I mean, I saw that, uh, I saw some people's eggs on, on Facebook that they had died. And I even, this was the first year in a long time that I put some eggs out. I mean, I, <laughs> I got up and I, I uh, dyed some eggs and, and, uh, and kind of made something kind of like pretty. So it's like, oh, okay, let me get up and do something that I know how to do. And I, I didn't die a lot of eggs. I died about six eggs and, uh, and I kind of, and that. And I had fun doing that. And now sometimes I think we have to remember things that give us joy because sometimes we get caught up in all this other stuff that we forget to have joy. And I think we have to find these places in our lives where we can actually anchor joy in our life. And for me, that was one of those places. And I had a, I had a cousin uh, that was, uh, we were, we were cousins. And so we were always together. And uh, on Easter Sunday, we were together. I would go to her house and then she would walk me back to my house and I would walk her back to her house. She would walk me back to her house and uh, back and forth. We did that about an hour before <laughs> we would say goodbye. Uh, and we were always uh, at the church, uh, like I said, not only for uh, Easter, but also for Sunday school. And I, I think I'd like to talk about this just because it's my, um, it, was my it was my spiritual um, background or underpinning that has kind of like guided my life. I mean, going to church and uh, believing and, and seeing people and and seeing people faithful, and that's what Mr. Rye was talking about. We've got to learn. We've got to continue to organize. But some of these people were people who never stopped organizing, and I think that's where we are right now because we've had like thirty-five years or thirty years that we stopped organizing, and so other people caught up to us because before uh, before affirmative action. We were organizing all the time. From the 1920s to the late 1970s, we were still organizing. Then when the 80s came along, uh, then we stopped organizing to the level. We organized, we organized around police brutality. And that's, that's probably the central theme that we organized. But we, at one point, we was organizing for jobs, about unions and all, that, all kinds of things. And, and so, but, but to, have, to have people who, who are all the time uh, uh, out, uh, out in the community organized, Mr. Bass, I think it was uh, Mary Bass's uncle. I think it was Roscoe, Mr. Roscoe Bass. Um, he was every, he was always at the uh, at the uh, school board meetings. He never missed a meeting, and that's the level that it takes to actually get them something done in America. You just don't. Get, it's not one and done, and that's too bad. And I guess the Russians say we're gonna make it one and done. And there's a lot of people in America that wants to have one and done, and they, those people are continuously organizing. So the only thing I can say to people is that you must wake up to organize. 
and go back to your roots and find some of those places that you can get some strength from. from. And so to me, and Easter is one of those places. I mean, so it's, it's like a, a breath of fresh air. It was always warm in, in uh, Florida uh, in uh, Easter time. And now Christmas, you might not have to be the night now. You might not wear your sweaters because it might be, uh, you might be warmer in, uh, in January and December than, than the clothes you got. So you'd be, you wouldn't be able to wear all your, all your winter clothes you got for Christmas. But for Easter, you know, the dresses was always nice and the, and the weather. I don't remember it raining too much on the Easter for me when I was growing up, like you get rain here in Seattle. No, you're not going to get a lot of rain. Um, and my grandmother was such a great cook. For a long time, we cooked on a wood stove. Yes, that's right. Miss Harriet had to cut wood for a while. Uh, we had a wood stove. And my grandmother could really cook on that wood stove. I bet most people, they would not, they would be at a loss if they had to get up and make a fire <laughs> in the stove and then get breakfast ready before people go to school. <laughs> There's probably a lot of people late. <laughs> Oh my goodness, if people were cooking on a wood stove, it's like, oh, okay. Or you mean to tell me the bus is coming now? Oh, I just put the biscuits in the oven. Oh, okay. So anyway, I mean, things have changed a lot. But the one thing that hasn't changed is that we need to organize. Through all of this, and I learned how to organize actually by being in the African-American Episcopal Church. It has such a strong history of, um, of being engaged in the Black community, uh, of course, uh, around the time that Lincoln signed the uh, the, uh, the uh, proclamation of uh, emancipation, I think it's emancipation, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I get it backwards, but it's okay. But I know what it means. And I know when it was, it was January 1st, uh, 1863. So I got that date right. So uh, anyway, it's still a, still a long, it's a long road to freedom in America for us, uh, a long road, and we have not arrived yet. As Mr. Ryan was talking about the jobs and uh, the, the discrimination for 27 years for us here in Seattle and Washington State, no affirmative action. That's the reason why we've lost this, uh, the central area uh, is because people didn't have jobs um, in the state and the, and, the, uh, and the city of Seattle colluded to run us out. So it's, a, it's a many things that we have gone through, but it's still for me, it's the anchoring in the church that has given me the strength to move on, to be able to do the work. And sure, that's not the anchoring for a lot of people. Some people went to the union organizing meetings with their family, with their fathers and mothers. And so they're also out there, you know, doing the union organizing. And so I, I think that people come to this work for different reasons. And it's usually it's some kind of connection, either for their parents or somebody that they knew when they were growing up. They actually lead people to this work. But uh, again, I just like to be talking about go back to Easter because uh, in those days, I mean, my grandmother still made a ham. I mean, I, I don't eat pork today, but I, we had a ham and she liked to make potato salad. And she always made something with sweet potatoes because we we, had, we grew our own food. And we had a garden and we had chickens. I was afraid of chickens when, the, when, when you get ready to kill a chicken, the chicken does want to kind of walk around for minutes with the head cut off. I mean, you know, I mean, that's true. And I, I was a, be afraid of of a chicken that was being slaughtered. So I always had to run. I, I wouldn't stay there to watch that. But um, it's amazing all the good food that comes from a wood stove. So I'm not sure some people out there that might have, they might have a wood stove in a cabin, but they're not cooking on a wood stove uh, every day. And I cooked on a wood stove every day for a long time. 
and I, I had to go cut wood because <laughs> there's nobody elderly going to go cut wood. So I had to go cut wood uh, and, and chop, chop the wood and carry the wood. So all of that so we could have one so she could cook. And, and so uh, that's that's part of that's part of that also that keeps me going to knowing that how to do things. I mean, when you come from that kind of background, you always remember how to get get something done or you can remember you can remember how to, if you don't know how to do it, you remember how to access information because there's always somebody else that knows more than what you do. And that's how I feel about it. There's always people who know more than me. And I just have to be willing to ask for the information or, you know, gently ask for the information. Or sometimes they say, you know, sometimes it's not a gentle ask, but usually it should be a gentle ask. But anyway, I just love this time of year because I love spring. I love spring. I love all the different shades of green because I'm an artist. Most people don't know that. I'm a watercolorist. I love I love green. That's when I got first started painting. I started painting with a lot of green because it's such a healing color. It really is. It absolutely heal you. And that's why people talk about going out in nature and that kind of stuff because you actually feel better. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the cures for depression. Actually, it just go, you know, if you can't go very far, you can go to the Arboretum or maybe over to a volunteer park. And then water is a good, water is also very good for lifting your spirits. And so you can get by some water and some trees, you're gonna feel better because that's what nature does. And, uh, and, and, and so this is a good place for you to get out. A lot of people go walking in the rain. I don't think I would be one of those people who would do that, but a lot of people go walking in the rain. I think it's raining right now. So I'm going to take a break. This is Mother's Justice Show. You listen to Reverend Walden on Mother's Justice Show. We'll be right back. Market Street Shoes is happy to sponsor the Mother's Justice Show in honor of our mother, Jackie Higgins Rosebrook, who spent her life fighting for social justice and also in honor of all mothers who fight for social justice. Market Street Shoes, fashionable footwear and apparel for life's everyday adventures in the heart of Ballard since 2006. Visit MarketStreetShoes.com. Good afternoon. You're listening to Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. Alternative Talk Positive. This is Robin Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. And I like that song. You know, I want to be ready when joy comes back. Because joy is essential to our lives to move forward. Joy keeps away depression. Joy does. There's a lot of things that joy does. Joy and happiness tell our endorphins in our body and ourselves that we want to live. So joy is so essential. And a lot of these things that's happening in the world is just to keep people from having joy. So how do you find joy in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of all the other things that's happening in the world? And that, that's that's really what maybe the Easter message is also about too, is that you know uh, uh, the, the resurrection and uh, the, the you know the new life and new hope, you know that 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 it isn't over yet that that we can begin again, uh, and that, and there's there's strength in knowing that no matter how sorrowful it is and how bad it is, you know spring always comes all over the world, spring always comes, and so. That's really why I like that song because it reminds me that it is important to have joy. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I like that because joy keeps me going in, in the midst of doing hard work, in the midst of holding people accountable and trying to do this work, joy is essential 
It is essential to have some joy, to spend some time in laughter. Sometimes I've set my timer, <laughs> laugh for 10 minutes. This is important <laughs> because it gets you started. So anyway, so I'm joyful right now and I'm happy to be joyful. So um, Eric, so you, we were talking a little bit and just about Easter. So, uh, so what, what's your Easter memories like? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a much bigger deal for me when I was a kid than it is now. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, um, it, it was great waking up and having that uh, Easter basket, you know, that my <laughs> mom would uh, put together uh, under the guise of the Easter bunny. And, uh, right. you know, and getting that uh, chocolate bunny and, you know, some jelly beans and stuff like that. It was always that was always a lot of fun. And, of course, uh, we'd go to church for Easter mass. And that would take up, you know, a good portion of the morning. And, you know, mm -hmm. we'd do a Easter egg hunt um, with the family. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, we, we did the whole shebang. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And, well, you know, and, and that's what Mother's Day means. Some of this is about building memories, too. Because even though we might walk away or move away from some of our traditions, the, the memory is there. And just to think about, mothers always make magic, you know? I mean, <laughs> you will go to bed at night, uh, the night before you sit and you get up, the table is all, it, it's, uh, you know, the eggs is on the table and all of that. And, and it's, so, it's so important for whatever your tradition is to have some type of tradition to be able to make a happy memories for children. Uh, even though when they get to be an adult, they might not practice that but always calls up, calls them, calls up joy, thoughts of happiness. And sometimes those thoughts of happiness would get us through some things um, that we're going through when we can have some pleasant memories. So that's why I think it's really important to have uh, pleasant memories and to think about that. And of course, it wasn't everybody's uh, way. Some people, some people have always had a hard time. But uh, to be able to have a nice meal on Easter Sunday, and, and sometimes for me, I was invited over or to my cousin's house or or somebody else came to our house, but uh, one, a lot of people didn't come to our house because after my grandfather died, it was just me and my grandmother. So, and uh, she was elderly. Hey, I got to be one of those elderly people now. And they call them old in the old days. <laughs> they call them old folks. So now they got a dressed up term <laughs> calling them elders. <laughs> so, but um, just having, just having, just having those kind of, Things and also around Christmas, and that those are the things that uh, that kind of keep people going when times are hard. That they can think about some uh, some good things and good thoughts. And, and what was your favorite food as a kid? Favorite food was probably pizza, but uh, I definitely <laughs> they didn't have pizza on Easter Sunday. <laughs> no, for Easter we usually did a ham. Right, and right. love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that was just sort of like universal. Because yeah. even in Florida, and we weren't Catholics, <laughs> we did a ham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever it was to go with it. And all of that, of course, like I said earlier, it was cooked in a wood stove. <laughs> mm, yeah. Some potato salad on the side, usually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Well, hey, we from you from the West Coast, and I'm from the. Uh, the uh, the East Coast, uh, yeah. I mean, the East Coast, and uh, we was eating similar uh, meals there at Easter times. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's, it's a pretty American tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and my stepmother, who passed away, bless her heart, uh, last June, a year ago now, coming up on, she, it, she needed, all she needed was an excuse for a holiday to make potato salad. <laughs> if a holiday was coming up. <laughs> Oh, okay. I call her up. Oh, yeah, I just made some potato salad. I said, oh, okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that went with everything. So did you get nice new clothes, shiny clothes and uh, shiny new shoes and new clothes for Easter? Um, not really for Easter. Um, you know, uh, we'd get new clothes for school starting mm-hmm. really. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, we, we'd always have at least one nice outfit for yeah. going to church for sure. So, yeah, yeah. That's what I always had too. I always had church clothes and play clothes. I don't think my kids got that experience, but I grew up with play clothes and church clothes and school clothes. So I clothes I went to school in, I had to come home and change those clothes and put on play clothes. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how that's how they did that. I guess it was so the clothes would last longer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I guess that was an economic reason for people being able to do that. So um yeah. So I really I'm glad that I'm glad that we have holidays and uh reasons for families to come together and stuff like that. I mean, because it's necessary. It really is necessary. And for people who actually are non-religious, and actually this is the first time in a long time you have a Ramadan, you had the Jewish whole holiday, the Jewish uh, uh, holy days, uh, and Easter coming at the same time on the same weekend. So uh, so that that's interesting because I think Ramadan is still going on. So all of these uh, different religions came together. I mean, for, I mean, the calendar, it was on the calendar at the same time. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I don't think, I think it happens maybe every, Maybe every seven, maybe every 14 years. I don't know how many years that, I don't know how many years that happens, but uh, every now and then, every now and then it happens. I think it's a good thing because the whole world is in a celebration. Not, not, not you know, they're not Christians, but uh, they still have a celebration. And, uh, and I think that's wonderful. I've never, I, I've, I've done, I've done some parts of Ramadan because I've had some Muslim friends. Uh, it's easier to do Ramadan in the winter than it is in the summer. Because you have to eat before sun up, and then you can't eat before until sundown, and so it's easier uh, in the winter time when they have Ramadan than it is uh, in this time because you know sun up, sun sun rises early and sunset is late, so that means you have all that in between those in between morning and evening and noon and evening time is a fast, you know. So I've done a fast, but not not that long. So next week, I'm hoping to have uh, some people from Florida because the judge said um, he put uh, a judge in Florida just voided, voided the uh, the mandate, the mass mandate for the airlines. Um, and I'll have some people on from Florida. And then the Chicago people are having some problems with the consent decree um, and uh, building trust in the community with the police. And that's not unusual. So I'm looking forward to have, uh, you know, have some uh, some guests on next week from uh, maybe Florida and some guests on from Chicago working on that. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. It's your host from Walden and I'll see you next week.